Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the first of our spoiler special podcasts dedicated to the second series of one of my favorite TV shows, the brilliant BBC sitcom Ghosts. I love this show so much for its heart as much as its humor. So, shortly after series two ended recently, I asked its creators and stars to sit down with me over Squadcast for a good old deep dive. Now, it's taken a while to get here. So thank you for your patience and waiting for these episodes. But now they are here just ahead, how's that for timing, of the Christmas special which airs on BBC One tonight, which is December 23rd, if you're listening to it immediately, and was December 23rd, if you're not. Anywho, in this first episode I chat with Lawrence Rickard, who plays Robin and Humphrey, Martha Howe Douglas, who plays Fanny, and Ben Wilbond, who plays the Captain, for an examination of a whole ton of stuff from Robin's role as the family dog, to Fanny's sexual awakening, and, speaking of sexual awakenings, a long discussion of the show's wonderful and sensitive treatment of the captain's slow journey along the road to self-acceptance. I had so much fun talking to these guys, as I think you'll be able to tell, and we might still be talking, in fact, if it weren't for the fact that we need to eat and sleep and stuff, and also we overran massively, and Jim Howick and Matthew Bainton we're at the door of the virtual room awaiting their turn. That's coming up in episode two. Quick note before you listen, Ben was having slight issues with his microphone and his headphones, which is why he sounds a bit echoey at times. And as you'll hear almost immediately, I was having slight issues with just saying his name, quite frankly. Weird. Anyway, here you go. 49 minutes of mayhem. Do please enjoy. Delighted to be joined on the first part of this Ghosts spoiler special for Series 2 by the writers, creators and stars of the show. Well, just three of them, <laughs> because that's all we can pack into Squadcast. Martha Howe Douglas, Lawrence Rickard and Bell ben, ben Will- uh, Bell Webber and Ben Wilbond. <laughs> Does that you. happen often? Oh my God, uh, uh, all the time. Is this I where... Think brains get to... Brains start to go, how am I going to tackle those two L's in your surname? <laughs> and then they bring the two L's onto the end of Beck. And it becomes Bell. And I don't know. It just it happens all the time. So. I had someone tell, tell me that they'd worked with you. And they went, oh, I just, I've just done a thing with Bill Wembimbon. <laughs> it's, it's, it's incredible. It's only my three favorite, syllables. My favourite, Larry, was when um, the fabulous writer and uh, uh, screenwriter, Bo Willimon, was on Twitter. And you, you tagged him in to me to go, I reckon these two get mixed up all the time. <laughs> He didn't respond. He's a very, very famous uh, uh, Los Angeles screenwriter. He hasn't got time for (laughs) such frivolity. Uh, Well, that's my that's my slick intro ruined. (laughs) So thanks a bunch, Ben Wilbond, for having such a complicated (laughs) thing. Is that is that in a weird way where Ready and Weddy came from? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, that's where did that come from? That was just a script session, wasn't it? Uh, I think we, maybe somebody got stumbled. it wrong. In, yeah, I exactly. think we stumbled over yeah. "wedding ready" as our sort yeah. of um, cat catchphrase for that episode, <laughs> and um, and then we realised that um, I think that that Kyle would have quite a lot of fun with it. And actually, Martha <laughs> solved our big issue with that um, thread in one of our subsequent edit sessions. Yeah, that's where that's where it came from. Which was what? What was that thread? Well, it was just that we couldn't. I think we just couldn't fit fit that it wasn't quite working in the in the edit the way that we'd scripted and shot it. And then Martha very cleverly spotted an opportunity to drop it into an ADR with Kyle's back turned, and it just worked beautifully. I think I think that I think I'm right in saying it was, that. Char- in it was middle- Charlotte. It was Charlotte's. Back oh, that's right. It was Charlotte. That she yeah, was yeah, correcting yeah. him. That's yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, then, and then it suddenly the whole the whole strand came together. It was yeah. great. <laughs> Amazing. So, um, what I wanted to do because we have we have Jim and Matt as well. Um, we'll be talking episodes two, four, and six with them because those are the ones they wrote. The greedy gets and uh, uh, and you guys are responsible creatively for one, three, and five. And so I wanted to get into those episodes with you and and keep key moments from those episodes. But before we do that, what did you want from series two in terms of? thematic preoccupations and where you wanted your characters to grow and develop because i think everyone does all all your characters you know the, the captain and fanny and robin mm. all grow 
substantially by by the end of episode six. I think in series one, there's always that slight fear because you're, you know, everything's new and you don't know, you never know entirely how things are going to work tonally until you've seen final edits. And so we were really aware that we were making a sitcom. And I think that we were slightly unsure of how kind of deep to dive in character terms that, you know, there were episodes that did it. And I think they were kind of dipping a toe in the water and particularly episode three of that first series where Jim's character, um, you know, has his sort of, uh, post-death existential crisis um, mm. about you know whether he's going to pass over and you know his family come to the house and everything, and I think that because that worked so well, it gave us confidence to do a bit more of that in the second series, and so there's a little more backstory and there's a little more character depth, and I think we were just a bit more confident to sort of put a handbrake on the you know the the sillier stuff we do for a few minutes. In, in some episodes and just kind of, you know, play out some kind of deeper emotional beats, I suppose. And Martha, what, what about you? Uh, this is a, a loaded question, but where do you want to take Fanny in, in series two? <laughs> it's a gift, but keep them giving. It, it really it? is. Fanny's <laughs> Exposed is yeah, a, a line yeah. worthy of a T-shirt. It's one of my favourites. Um. <laughs> that line, I just cut in and say, well, um, uh, Fanny's Exposed, the original line was Fanny's in the open. Yeah. And we couldn't decide which was better or worse. Because a lot of those lines, that's not us trying to go, oh, here's a smutty carry-on joke. We're just writing a script name. and they just yeah. happen. And you go, oh. yeah. and so we, we try and make them better and often make them worse. Yeah. Imagine yeah. what a nightmare it is if you've really got that name. You know? Funnies in the open is like a uh, from a spy thriller. Yeah. You imagine <laughs> someone like Brian Cox turning away from one of those big screens going, for Christ's sake, Funnies in the open. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, Martha. Uh, no, I think Fanny's in the open may be worse, actually. Do you think it's worse? <laughs> I think it may be I worse. Think, I, think, yeah. I think that's why it became Fanny's exposed. Um, we yeah. were told that we could only have a number of Fanny's in, in, the, <laughs> in the episode because we started to get quite a few, didn't we? We got a bit Fanny happy. Um, but anyway, I, I was, my, <laughs> my character this year um, has definitely, mm. yes, yeah, definitely grown in terms of uh, emotional depth. Yeah, I mean, and, and Fanny's grown. <laughs> <laughs> she really has. I mean, it's obviously um, the uh, in Matt and Jim's episode that you're going to talk about later. But I think the um, the sort of reaction to the gay wedding um, and her yeah. kind of her kind of 360 on that is 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 um, is quite significant for her this year. You know, we've gone through the whole of her being so. <laughs> the whole, sorry, uh, her being so um, adamant that she's against it, and then she, you know, she she has that chat with Humphrey, and uh, and does a kind of a complete switch on her on her views. I think yeah. I think we're seeing that quite a bit with her uh, now, and we're kind of exploring that in series three writing as well. Yeah, and I think that's really nice to see because she's never going to change. She's never not going to be the old bossy, you know, Fanny, but she's still, I think, I think it's nice to explore the kind of softer side of her and how she got to the, where she is. And yeah. I think that's, yeah, it's a really nice journey for me to be doing at the moment with her. Yeah. Absolutely. Does that mean that we're going to call, call that episode in series three, the softer <laughs> side of Fanny? <laughs> <laughs> you see, this is what I'm saying. Oh you can't, God. you can't not do it. Is the problem. Oh it's not that we're God. trying to do it. Yeah, I know. Right. Oh uh, dear. It's right there. Fanny's right there. You can't you can't turn down Fanny when it's right there. Um, and and, oh uh, and Bill Wilblip, um can yeah. we talk about Bill Williman? Um, Bill, Hollywood screenwriter Bill Williman. Yeah. Um, can you talk about the, the the captain and what you wanted to do with the captain uh, yeah, through this I mean, the series? Think, um, well, it was in the so in our sort of table sessions when we come up with the whole you know series we 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 talk about you know the big story arcs and then there's this sort of we started talking about maybe uh we could look back at it'd be nice to see the captain in in his timeline um but we didn't want to start talking about his death and stuff i mean i kind of with with characters we don't want to go there straight away because there's many more interesting things like with um with fanny you know, and I, that is a really interesting point. It's like, how do characters get to where they were? I always, always, um, when you meet somebody with a real set in stone character, you think, how on earth did you get to that point in your life? Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think the same is true. The captain is so sort of conflicted and 
and and of his time i think you know if you you know if you were the captain in that time period it would be so difficult and that's that's what that's what interests interests me and interested me at that time i just thought how do you how do you explore that and it and larry's right it's, it's quite it's quite difficult to go there in you know a bbc one comedy you go yeah but it's a comedy um <laughs> so you've got to be you've got to tread that line uh really carefully and i think i hope we did um but you've got to really watch it because you can't you can't start to get too serious with it <laughs> mm. And it is a serious, you know, it's for all of them. It's, you know, there are these little serious moments in life. Um, but with the captain, I think it's hopefully touching and enjoyable and in keeping with his character. But yeah, I just wanted to, it's just really fun. And in the writing process, you always, I, I actually think um, with a lot of series and stories, you, you, you can sort of always see the end point. You know, you can mm-hmm. always see the input with, with ghosts. I just think there's so much more every time we come to the table. There's so much more we can explore mm. with these characters. I think that was what was fun about series two, having those, um, like say, starting to not just go a backstory is how they died. Yeah. The backstory yeah. is everything that happened in their life that led to that character. And I think we yeah. were more confident to do that mm. second time around. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. For example, in episode three that we don't see, I thought we were going to see how the captain died, but mm. we don't. Well, we wanted to play that um, sort of play that little play play with the audience a little bit, sort of play with their expectation a little bit as well. Mm. It's a bit of a cheat, you know, to go, aha, we're all going to find out how he died. And of course, it's just a story from his from his past. So mm. I don't know. I think it's it's really they're really lovely things to do, and um, you know, hopefully we'll get to do more for for every character. I mean, the opportunity to do sort of great historical you know set pieces <laughs> it's lovely yes. well, i don't know whether we can stretch the budget to that so much because uh, <laughs> you have to shoot into corners of room but just to get a little flavor of it it's really thrilling mm. i i just i remember stepping onto the set when we dressed the in uh, episode three when we dressed the uh button house as a sort of world war ii uh set and it was just lovely i mean it was kind of our department again did a brilliant job, but it was it was so thrilling to see that timeline captured because you don't have to do much mm. to the house at all because mm. it wouldn't it wouldn't have changed that much. If anything, you had to de-age it, yeah, to, yeah. to make it work. Um, so yeah, it was good. It was really good fun. So without getting too hung up on deaths and backstories and whatnot, do you all know how each of the ghosts? died or is this something that you're still discovering as you're as you're working on on series three i definitely know i think i think i know how the captain died yeah. i think we all know yeah so we discussed it at, at, at length really, uh, really early on we kind yeah. of settled on them a couple a couple of we've changed yes and a couple we're now are now sort of slightly floating where we've got new ideas which sort of feel slightly more exciting or things that have happened in series one and two put a slightly different slant on how their story might have played out but i think from from really early on with m- almost all of the characters we had a pretty clear idea of yeah. how they how yeah. they ended up there because to chase down the logic of the show you have to go right how did this character because you yeah. you know you stay where you died so in there? order to engineer them all being in the house or on the grounds where the house stand you have to to a degree know how they died so that you can justify how they got there and actually yeah. um Lady Button's death was, you know, we, that was discussed and planned out and had to be because we had to sort of do an origins, yes, one exactly. origin story for the ghosts. And that's yeah. how we, yeah. that's how we started it. So, yeah, we had to discuss all of that. And that was really good fun. There's a really interesting notion that's introduced in this series. It's in uh, the Thomas centric episode four of the ghost of Annie and the idea mm. that ghosts can move on. Yeah, and uh, I had the fear during episode six that Pat was going to move on. Oh and, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I you read that on Twitter actually. Lots of people yeah. like, "Is this it? Is this the moment that Pat moves?" We're like, "No, as if we're getting rid of Jim." I tell you what, I tell you what, it's going to be it's going to be emotional when if we do if we do see characters move on. But I think there's know. something nice about that than going. You know, there is no absolute surety in this. Like you say, when you yeah. cut to a backstory, is this just going to be an element from their life? Is this going to be the story of how they died? And mm. equally, when you're in the present, any of the stories could be the moment at which their their 
they pass over or in Mary's parlance are, are sucked off. Um, I think <laughs> that that sort of part part of the fun of the, part of the fun of the the show is yeah. that you you never entirely know how any episode's going to end, and you know nothing's sort of sacred. It's quite it's nice. It's quite exciting yeah. for us yeah. to write. Absolutely, because I was thinking, God, if Pat does move on, are they going to have to bring in a new character in the modern day who looks exactly like Jim? And then <laughs> basically, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's really good. The, the problem, you know, with with Jim's terrible personality flaws i think in the writing we always try and keep a sort of sword of damocles hanging over him so that he's always aware he just could get case. cut yeah, yeah just yeah. just in case we need that he's been close really close yeah because yeah. i mean he's an angry man isn't he yeah he's difficult it is difficult very difficult to work with yeah you push me one more time i swear yeah, to god pat exactly. is going to move on that is what's going to happen um so very very quickly i wanted to go through some of the the key moments from the episodes that you guys were you know that you guys wrote uh so episode one is the great lady and was written by by martha and larry and uh and you have immediately you're setting up the overall arc of the series, which is the the pivot from opening Button House as a hotel and to a wedding venue, which runs all through the episodes, obviously. Where did that idea come from? We talked really early on about, yeah, we liked the, the real handbrake that was put at the end of series one, when they find the bodies in the cellar. And then we sort of just chased down the logic a bit of going, right, well, for now, they haven't got the money to make a hotel themselves and the hotel chains are out of the out of the running, you know, because there's a mass grave underneath it. So they're going to need money. What would you logically do next? You go, right. And we sort of looked at the house and went, well, these two rooms look okay, you know, because some of the rooms we, you know, the art department do an incredible job on, they look really decrepit, but a couple of them look all right and are really big rooms. And so you go, you'd try and make money out of those. Or you've got mm. grounds for a marquee, so you can, yeah, you can yeah. have a... Yeah, exactly. yeah, weddings make sense, but yeah, I think I think, well, obviously we needed to find storylines, and that was that's where we went. But yeah, that they're going into events, and how does that all unfold? I think that's where we began. One of the great themes I think of this series is how much the ghosts change uh, and how much they grow, and they've been, you know, they've been in entropy for decades, maybe even centuries, and then suddenly along comes Allison and, and Mike, and they begin to change. And the lovely part of episode one is showing how much the ghosts have come to rely on Alison. Yeah. Yeah. basically yeah. <laughs> you know, do this push that yeah. give me that fetch me this uh it's it's really really lovely i mean again was that something that you talked about as a group there was that that the idea of sort of getting up in the morning and going right have the kids got their cereal has everyone got their packed lunch and and that to a degree that's sort of part of Alison's life now that you go right well the captain's going to want timing on his run i've got to put some music on for thomas Julian's discovered, you know, playing computer games. Pat is re-watching all of the World Cups that he's missed. Everyone's reading books and you've got to have their book, you know. So it's kind of like, it's like looking after toddlers, but it's like looking after toddlers who've got their hands tied behind their backs. We have to kind of do everything for them whilst trying to run your own life. And I think, it, you know, one of the qualities we found in, in Charlotte's portrayal of Alison in, in series one was how she could sort of, flip from those moments of panic to complete unflappability. And I think it was nice to go, mm. right, She to start the episode feeling like she's got this so that you yeah, can then have everything unravel. But yeah, yeah. She's, she's sort of got her head around this weird routine that mm. they've developed. The aspect of the plague pit and the plague pit ghosts as well, who get more to do this this time. You guys get to play them in broad daylight. You actually get to be <laughs> up you know, out of that cellar, out of that dank cellar. Uh, again, that's something that's more important in, in series two. Uh, was that something you talked about very early on, about giving them more to do? Yeah, we went, well, we said about, I think, again, they were one of those things going, is this going to work? Is it going to yeah. feel like it's a bit self-indulgent? And so they were sort of lightly touched in series one. And probably because of that, people really seemed to latch onto them and go, they're, they're great fun. Yeah. And so, you know, the temptation was to do too much with them. And I think we hopefully found a good middle ground where we gave them a little bit more meat. But, um, you know, we never sort of overplayed it. As like you say, there's that one episode where they they come out of the darkness. But... Um, uh, and you know, when we love that, that was really early on in writing of series two. That moment of them playing Guess Who with their own skeletons, we really that, that we latched onto as a real funny little set piece. Really early on, no, not you. Sit down. It's female. Sit down. Syphilis. No, 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 no,
<laughs> yeah, that, that was one of our first series two jokes, I think, that little scene. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, and I guess at some point with, with a show called Ghosts, you have to tackle the idea of ghost hunters and professional ghost seekers and, mm. you know, those charlatans and, and whatnot. And uh, you get straight into it from the, from the off with this one. Yeah, well, I think it was for that exact reason. We kind of, there was, there was a bit of us that went, it's weird in a way that we didn't do that in series one. And I think because you're expecting it, you go, well, we're going to do one of those at some point. And so there's a certain confidence maybe in, in doing that in series one and tackling it head on and going, right, now you're going to, you know, we sort of, series one is all about cynicism and, you know, Alison having to get her head around the fact that what she is seeing are ghosts, Mike having to come to believe that and them having to get used to it. The series two is now about sort of starting series two with the opposite, which is with people who completely believe and want to see the proof rather than fighting against it. And mm. So we sort of thought that was a nice way to, to start the second series, sort of the, you know, the opposite of what we did with the first one. Ben, obviously you're, you're about to run, is it 50k? <laughs> yeah. It, over a month. I mean, it, not at the same time. <laughs> not in one go. I mean, no. I mean, it sounds less impressive now you said that. <laughs> well, yeah. Although I just did, it did dawn on me this morning as my as I got up, I thought, oh no, actually, <clears throat> I did it. It's a um, long way, I'm, Chris. I thought you were bringing that up because of his run in the, in episode one when he like pounces on Lady Martin. <laughs> like, oh yeah, and, that's and, exactly. Oh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good practice. That was. Good I took the long way around. Oh, okay. Yeah, because there's a there's a, there's a lovely late. running gag. <laughs> there's yeah. a lovely running gag of uh, of Ben's knees clicking or the captain's knees clicking. Yeah, yeah and that that that's, um, that comes from reality. I mean, that's not. I mean, that is me. <laughs> that was lazy. <laughs> that's not. That's yeah. all me. He, he was very good. He he had to do that run quite a bit to the door to get me. And uh, yeah, he's very fit man. You know, I work out. I work out. Uh, I work out. I do. I do. I, do, I train. I train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben, yeah, ben yeah, spent exactly. several takes of having to pretend to do entire laps of the house. I, as Robin, had to run through about twenty <laughs> yards of clear woodland. Uh, oh my god! Nearly killed me. <laughs> oh, I did not have survived for long in the Neolithic period. I think. Yeah. Uh, I got some behind-the-scenes footage of me practicing my my stunt, running into Martha uh-huh. to get out of the way of the door. Which yeah. I have to say, it was the, the end result looks amazing. And it Martha's does, it does. brilliant sort of uh, fall, which made it look like I was actually crashing into her. But hilariously, they and I didn't know this, they'd hired a stuntman to come in, and stuntmen are brilliant. <laughs> stuntmen, I stunt coordinators are, are incredible people. They they have to take their job incredibly seriously because obviously people do get hurt and they're, they're, they're there to stop you getting hurt. There's something very funny about me. <laughs> <laughs> I just to lollop up to this crash mat and sort of go, hey! <laughs> Gosh, lollop is a great way. Yeah. Stuntman was going, obviously, as you jump, okay, both of you got to leave the ground, uh, make sure you back straight. It was like, yeah, I know how to fall onto yeah, a crash mat. Yeah, It'll be fine. Yeah. Have you seen Horrible Histories? <laughs> it was good that he was there. But uh, it was quite funny. When, when he said, it's, it's like, it's like I imagine he talks the same way to Christian Bale. You know, it, he's about to do a really Should've complicated asked. Batman do you, um, stunt. Do you talk the same way to Christian Bale? Yeah. <laughs> no, no one talks to Christian Bale. <laughs> so, yeah, that was fun. That was fun. I'm up for doing more stunts. I'm up for doing more stunts and more physical. Yeah, well, I, I presume that, you know, if we ever do see how the captain dies, I sure. expect it to be like a Tom Cruise film oh where you have lots of explosions. Yeah, it's going to be on top of a, ta- uh, on top of a train. Somehow <laughs> <laughs> got the button house. Doing an oxygen assist. Uh, so you, you'll, know uh, if you'll know if Ben has strong-armed this storyline when in like the first episode of Series 3, suddenly one of the ghosts goes, do you remember when that train line used to run through here? Yeah, yeah. Stop you remember fiddling. when I did that high altitude jump from a Hercules? <laughs> what? I had to. I had to wear oxygen and everything. <laughs> what? And there's the budget, and that's why the rest of series three <laughs> is set in a cupboard. Uh, so let's let's talk about episode three, which is Reading Weddy. Um, <laughs> written by Ben Will Bond and Simon Varnaby. And uh, <laughs> and this is obviously a Captain episode. 
Yeah. Although when I revisited it, Ben, I, I was surprised to find that it wasn't as much of a Captain episode as I thought first time I watched it. No. There's still a lot of other stuff going on in there. There's the... Quite a... Yeah. Quite a complicated one to put together in the end. I think because the story was so... Yeah, the cap- the Captain element had to be right. And it was quite tricky because it had to be a sort of... Um, had to sort of slightly fool the audience into thinking it was going to be one thing two things and then it turned out to be neither of those things so it was yeah it was quite complicated but then you're right when you watch it again you go well there's actually loads more going on but that's true of every episode i think Mm. there's a kind of there'll be a sort of a plot and it might lean slightly on another on the b plot and then but there's so much more going on around it and there has to be because you have to sort of Everyone has to be served. All the characters need to be served. And that's, that's why they're complicated to put together. I think this one particularly complicated, possibly because the Captain storyline was so sort of, was more dramatic. And it was kind of hard to find the, it, was, it had to be sort of touching um, and heartfelt. Tricky to have the Captain's plot being set in the past, mm, where yes. he can't, talk overtly about what it's really about but mm. also what yeah. you th- that subject isn't what it's really about that it's sort of got to work on three levels that's, so it's about that, your sexuality that, that you can't openly talk about your sexuality and actually it's not about your sexuality yeah. at all it's about a bomb yeah. plot it's about a bomb that, yeah you know and that also had to be not too serious a bomb that would have blown up the whole house you know i mean it's just yeah. like it was, yeah. there's so many little layers to it and then all the rest had to be served so in in, in a way you know, it's a bit of a cheat having Mike and Alison just digging around in the garden. And that was, that was tricky to do as well. It was like, how are we going to shoot that? So mm. endless discussions about how, where do we, what state do we see the garden and how, how awful does it have to be before the wedding? What does the wedding planner expect? Is there going to be a market? There were so many elements to it. Mm. It's actually quite hard to make the logic work to serve the captain. Although plot. the handy thing about Ben's uh, particular uh, family history is that mm. when we talk, said, oh, you know, yeah, but there's got to be, so the bomb's got to go off, but it can't destroy, the, you know, the house or anything. How big a bomb? I, mean, I think we hadn't even finished the sentence. When you go, well, it would be a limpet mine. And- <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, a particular sort of limp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One that just, it just holds the uh, holds the uh, ship's hull be- yeah. be- below the. Uh, uh, <laughs> you don't want a big explosion. I mean, all it has to do is create a hole. If you ever want to talk about scale of military ordnance, why you wouldn't know? you know this? <laughs> wow, I can see why Ben was uh, was the right choice for the captain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's sort of where it came from. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know why. I don't know where all that knowledge comes from. Too many war films. I watched loads of war films when I was a kid. There's no such thing as too many war films. Wow. Um, this is a different podcast altogether. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but Larry did mention there the the captain's sexuality, and we've we've mm. you know I I asked uh, for questions from from ghosts fans as well, and we had loads of people writing in to say that they loved the captain and they found the captain's battle with his true self mm. to be actually quite inspirational in a way but what you do with this series which is quite interesting is that he is so close to coming out he is so close i think to admitting to himself his true true sexuality but he doesn't even mm. by the end of of ep 6 he doesn't yeah. um, can you talk about uh, that talk about that that decision well it's I, I i did um yeah i thought a lot about this and i, I think what it is, is with characters and character comedy and comedy, uh, you've got to keep the characters in uh, conflict. And the captain's big conflict, what, that, that makes him a viable dramatic character, is the fact that he is constantly in conflict with his own sexuality. And added to that is the time from which he came. I actually can't imagine how difficult it would have been for somebody who's gay in that time period or any time period before and in fact before it probably been easier but there's something very particular about the sort of edwardian and up to the whenever um you know the there was uh, people looked at the law again and then this is this is absurd you Mm. know particularly sort of 40s and 50s a very difficult Mm. period of time and, you know, somebody with that upbringing in that particular time period would, would really struggle with it. 
and I hadn't got any any idea that that would be, you know, that for me is the interesting thing about about that particular character, and the fact that it um, has brought up this sort of uh, swell of support for him as a character portraying, you know, a difficulty with sexual identity is incredible, and I just I just think that's brilliant. But I, I had no idea, you know, that was never my intention. Um, but as it grew, it was like, yeah, of course, of course, this is still current, you know. It, it's played so well, if I, if I may say so. Um, I think it's, it's played so well because um, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, he's, a, he's a character who is gay and not a gay character, you know what I mean? It doesn't, yeah. it, it doesn't define him at all. Everything that he does in the story, the way he is, his personality, the way he acts dramatically, the plots that he's given, 99% of that is just that he is the captain. And then there is this one thing which sits in the background throughout, which is his sexuality and whether it's that he never felt comfortable in coming out. Or, or I think, you know, we always talked about the degree to which it's more being a person from that time. You would never have allowed yourself the possibility. Yeah. Yeah. And so mm. it's sort of, you know, that it's almost like everyone, all the other ghosts know that he's gay and he's the only one who doesn't. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. a weird sort of, um, there's someone in my family history who was ended up at this time in a sham marriage in order to keep mm. uh, a, um, someone they knew who was gay out of prison because, oh, wow. you know, this is what it was like. And, and obviously, um, particularly through the war, and, you know, the famous story is Alan Turing, but yeah. there were others you know, it was quite many, uh, many prevalent. Many. Yeah. Um, so I think the fact that he was a character from that time, it felt like that was a good... Yeah. Yeah, the, the imprinting that particular experience on him sort of and, felt like it was... And the wrong. only other thing to say is that well, I, I, I was a little bit nervous when we started the process because I didn't want him... I didn't want it to become a joke in itself. But we knew that yeah. from the very start. And I think we're all... We were all on the same page with it, and that's how he evolved naturally. And mm. so it was fine. My fears were allayed. You know, it was never going. He was never going to be his sexuality was never going to be a joke. Yeah, no, no, uh, absolutely. As it shouldn't be in any case. I mean, yeah. but we all knew that instinctively. Yeah. So I kind of mm. it was a fear at the beginning, and I, and I just like I say, I'm just sort of really. It's added a real dimension to the captain which i didn't i didn't foresee and i just think is really important and really um i just love i just love that i can i don't know that, that that aspect of it is important to people and allows people to feel like they're represented yeah. which yeah. is great it's almost like what larry was saying is like the others everyone else knows is gay it's like if somebody's nervous about coming out and then they realize when they come out that their parents or their peer group or their friends went it's fine it's yeah. absolutely fine. Well, I we we all knew it's fine. Yes. You just have to you just have to be brave. And so I think with the captain, he at some stage he's just going to have to be really brave. Maybe that's his journey. Indeed, and uh, maybe he'll maybe he'll move on. Don't move on. Don't move on, Ben. Captain, the captain would dearly love to be sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, turns out it's my time. Uh, I can't wait, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> Sucked off, you say? Sucked off? Well, okay. Well, okay. We shall see how it goes. Um, there, is, there is a sexual awakening of a different kind in this episode. Martha, um, Fanny develops a crush on Mike. Oh, and yeah. you go full Benny Hill in this. Some of the, the facial yeah, expressions you pull in this it, are, it had to go wow. Is it a bit much? Um, I can't watch it. I'm like, oh God, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you actually doing? Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was quite odd because we filmed it out of sync. So I had to kind of, um, obviously yeah. the, in, within the episode, there has to be a journey. And I think I started to peak, um, <laughs> peak face uh, too soon. So we had to kind of edit it to, to make it less, um, less saucy from the outset. Um, but yeah, she goes, she really goes for it. Or I did really go for it. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's over in a flash. Um, and she's, and she's, and she's back. She's I back know. to, uh, I don't know. I think BAFTA are uh, circling around. <laughs> <laughs> if I got a BAFTA for that, I'd be so embarrassed. <laughs> BAFTA for best faces. 
Honestly, I want to do a supercut. It's oh it's God. incredible stuff. It oh, really is. No, and uh, in this episode, Larry Robin becomes a truther, which really tickles me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the thing is, I suppose he's he's not really plugged into um, modern thinking, and particularly, you know, social media and the thing. A lot of the um, the issues that we're battling with are, you know, as modern day people are kind of magnified when you've got no real frame of reference that, you know, to modern thinking. And so he doesn't believe there's a moon landing and then immediately believes there is a moon landing and then immediately <laughs> believes there wasn't a moon landing again. It's sort of, you know, an advert for Robin would just be someone that came on stage, came on screen and went by a Mars bar and he'd be, oh, okay. You know, it's just... <laughs> um, and, and then he completely believes it, you know, which is... Um, it's it's sort of fun. I say he's always there's a kind of a, um, there's a, a, a we always talk about the family dynamic amongst the ghosts and Robin being the dog. And I think there's a degree to which he's quite sort of an aggressive guard dog sometimes, and other times he's just this really docile puppy. And I think when it comes to opinion, that he's quite sort of easily swayed, I suppose. And yeah. so it felt like a natural step that a, a stream of auto playing YouTube videos would be enough to turn yeah. him into a. <laughs> Paul McCartney is dead, flat earth, uh, <laughs> moon landings didn't happen, and yeah. uh, JFK was a, a um, conspiracy of, of um, assassins on the grassy knoll. Well, now that is another podcast. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, Robin's conspiracies, he'll come on and debate. <laughs> I don't mind putting the makeup on. I think, you know, it'll be a really oh, interesting... <laughs> And uh, and just one real quick thing about the uh, the episode. Uh, th- this series, as with Fanny's exposed, and as with you know Mary and her sucked off uh, speech, as well, is pushing the envelope a little bit. But did you have to get special clearance for Pat to say bullshit? You can be mine in this episode. Um, yeah, I think yeah, there was something about that. Wasn't we had that? to. Yeah. Yeah. We, we had to check. Yeah. We had to yeah. check. You do have to check. I mean, you have to check everything. Um, and it is funny what they come back with sometimes. You go, really? Because we could say that. It's easier with a second series because I think you get a sense, you know, and, and compliance also get a sense of the overall tone and mm. whether or not something is deliberately provocative or abrasive. And, and, and I think that the fact that there is this sort of very light, joyful, you know, silliness that runs through it does buy you some license you might otherwise not get. Yeah, that's true. So episode five is Bump in the Night, written by Martha and Larry once again. And this is the burglary episode. And you do something really, well, well, there's a lot of interesting things here. Um, I have to say, for all the sophistication of the gags in the show, few things make me laugh harder in Ghosts than Simon Farnaby grunting with exertion every time Julian has to touch something. Oh, yeah. It's my and there is thing. so, I mean, talk about a supercut of, of Fanny's faces from Ep3. We could do a supercut of Julian grunting in this in this wow. episode. It's incredible. My, my, one of my favourite games is trying to work out what the what word is saying? that he's trying to sneak he always, into. He always drops a word in if you listen it, very good. There's often a shawaddy-waddy. Shawaddy-waddy gets it. Shawaddy-waddy! Shawaddy waddy. Shawaddy waddy. Shawaddy waddy. <laughs> That's one of my favourites. <laughs> he dropped he dropped something else in. Oh, we'll get him to do more. He's got to think harder on what he's gonna do. But every time he does it, it's like, why have you done that? Because yeah. the whole crew he's extraordinary. Laughing extraordinary. And wasted. Yeah, minutes. ones I pulled out was Shawadi Wadi Shamon. Shamon, he has like. And I'm Shaman. sure he does a Nixon one where he goes, Nixon <laughs> I'd have to check, but it's I think he's t- started doing footballers. That sounds right. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> oh my God. So was it, was that the idea? Basically, you, it makes you laugh as much as it makes me laugh. So you just put loads of it into this episode. Well, we just let Simon run with it. <laughs> it, it we really, we love the idea of, of, of Alison being out that you know, that she's the conduit between them thinking things and things getting done. And yeah. so you take her out and you go, actually, it's really, really yeah. hard to make that episode work. And so we kind of went, it would mean Julian doing everything. And we yeah. said, but that's fine as long as he's really angry about being made to do everything. Yeah. You know, and just <laughs> he did that he's he's sort of, even though his least favourite thing in the world is work shy layabouts, he's basically a work shy layabout. <laughs> <laughs> and, and literally when he has to pull his finger out which is literally all he has to do in this episode yeah. it is you know absolutely infuriating to him and at the end he needs a spa day yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, it makes me laugh so hard. I love the fact when he's writing two on the wi- on the mirror and he decides to write two <laughs> of them. <laughs> that that, that, that day when we came up with James. that, I think we took a, we took an early bath, didn't we? we went, right, well that's <laughs> you're not going to stop that. We had a tea bottle lunch. Tea bottle lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I should say a two a two bottle lunch with me and Martha over Zoom is that Martha has two bottles. <laughs> no. If we're only going to have a two bottle lunch, I have to not drink. No. Yes, uh... <laughs> Martha, you sure you don't want to be on the other one with no, Jim and Matt? No. I mean... no, I'll have words to Larry afterwards. No, everyone's going to be going on the other So I didn't catch that. You were slurring a bit. <laughs> Oh, oh dear, God. I just drooled on camera, which is never a good look. Anyway, I don't think anyone noticed. Uh, luckily, I didn't bring attention to it. Uh, you also definitively answer in this episode the question of whether Julian's wearing boxers or not. <laughs> I know. I'm so glad you picked up on that. We were really worried about that moment yeah, landing. Yeah. It's so fun. <laughs> Did you know that from the from the off, that he was, he was Starkers under that shirt? Well, the first... When we did the pitch for this show, I sort of put together a, a, um, a cover and various images that played through the pitch document, which was sort of showing how our characters, what sort of characters we were thinking of and how they were going to look. And Julian's is in a leather cod piece, has a ball gag in his mouth. And, and, and just basically there was a version that we would never be allowed to do where he was always going to be an MP, but that we had him sort of proper bound and gagged and that was how yeah. he died. And so he was always trying to maintain the dignity he had in his career, but while looking like that. And then we, we realised that that was basically that off. <laughs> And so our sort of compromise was he still got his, you know, shoes and socks and, and sock suspenders on, but he's pulled his pants off. <laughs> and it's really, we've had to do a bit of CGI in Series 2 to stretch his sh- You were a couple of moments where you... Um, you know, you you almost caught sort uh, caught sight of something, and we, of had to, we had to. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Because it's a little bit like the old the, the, the classic um, oh Scotsman Lord. and his kilt that you'll often yeah. say to Simon if you've got something going on to there, and he'll always go, yeah, 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 but he'll never show you, so you don't know for sure. <laughs> you know. There, there are some amazing things that happened in this episode as well. There's a really bleak gag when Alison is trying to get... It's not even a gag. It's just oh. really bleak when yeah. Alison's trying to get home and she happens upon that dead, that murdered Hitchhiker. girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's Wow. <laughs> I know. We, were, we sort of paused over that because originally we were like... Yeah, we did. Yeah. It's, it's, a, bit, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I think in part we were going, it's sort of reminding people that... She can um, see dead people. Yeah, that it, it, it's it's not just that she can see the ghosts in the house, it's that she can see ghosts, but the ones she sees yeah. every day are, are the ones that live with her. But that also, I suppose, in amongst all of the silly stuff we do, that, there's, there's, you know, it is a horror comedy of sorts and that there are those slightly darker moments. And I think, actually, there were fewer in this series. Mm. Which is, you know, not not necessarily a bad thing, but just every now and then, again, in that sort of confounding expectation thing, where you you never quite, you know, there's never an, any uh, guarantee in terms of, you know, tone, what sort of flashback you're getting, whether our characters are always, you know, are all going to be there forever, and so I suppose it's just keeping things slightly unexpected. Mm. And uh, the the idea that drives this episode of Button House being burgled by two inept burglars it has to be said where did that come from was that again something do you have a, a, a list of things uh, potential episode ideas it just came up and we we were storylining and i think yeah it came up as a sort of idea that floated around for a bit but it was a really a really nice one i think because it you know it's sort of bedded in reality this is something that could happen you know yeah and um and then it just became the how on earth do we make this happen when Mike can't see the ghosts and he can't And also that there's nothing to steal. You have to engineer stuff. Yeah. We've set out that there's nothing in there of any value. So we were like, how on earth, what are they coming for? Which is why all the wedding sort of equipment. tied into the wedding. Yeah, Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. 
And uh, it leads to some great character moments as well. Uh, I love how Fanny completely just turns and she starts goes, assisting the burglars. She, and- she goes around. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she, <laughs> if she wants to, she's going to do a job properly. She's going to do a job yeah. properly, right? That's her, that's her thing. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's probably the best thing that's happened to the captain in decades as well. I mean, he's, this is what he's, this is what yeah. he's been training oh, for God, his whole oh, life. Yeah. yeah, he loves this. This is frontline stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we haven't mentioned uh, Kitty and Mary that much at all, um, which is which is my bad because they're they're amazing, and uh, the the moment in this where you know you you give them something to do, and are you trying to pair off different ghosts in different ways? We haven't seen a lot of Kitty and Mary together, and that their their ineptitude in trying to remember what stuff the, the burglars are taking is glorious to behold. I think because, um, you know, Lolly and Katie get on so well, it was always mm. sort of, you know, once we'd done the series well, uh, series one and, and found that, I think we were like, oh, at some point we should exploit that. Mm. But also, yeah, that there's sort of the fact that Kitty is so happy and naive and Mary is such a kind of insane wild card that if you give them a task and the only people they have to keep them on track are each other. There is no way it's getting done. And so I love you. Like, so, the, you know, the captain is so, you know, finally employing this sort of military regime where he gives everyone a task and he just gives the worst two people the job of, <laughs> yeah. of recording absolute categorical facts. Which is bad planning on the captain's part. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's the right. captain, it's I mean, the captain is not a very good military leader. I mean, that's basically, he's, he is. He might be called the captain. Yeah, I mean, he's in the wrong, in the wrong job. Yeah, I mean, he should be the Secretary of Health or something. Yeah, yeah. 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 Kitty, test. <laughs> Mary, trace. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, and then uh, the last thing about this episode before I let you guys go, and we let Jim and Matt who are banging on the virtual door into <laughs> into this room as well. Um, we get to see the ghosts do music night. Mm. Uh, who chose the songs for for which characters? <laughs> um, clearance. Yeah, 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 we went through a few. Yeah. Oh, music is just music is so, so difficult and yeah. and increasingly difficult in TV. Unless you've got a billion pounds, you can't. And and there's no there's no um, there's no regiment in place for how you do clearance. The, the way you find out whether or not a track is clearable and how much it would cost is to put it in a script, and then someone will ask, mm. and you have to keep doing that until you ask a question where the answer is yes. <laughs> and so it's not like you can go to them, okay, what can we clear? They go yeah. uh uh uh. <laughs> Ask, can we have Diana Ross? That's a good question. No, first? you cannot was, have Diana Ross. It was Wigfield, right? Last, yeah. It was Wigfield. Can we have Saturday Night by Wigfield? Yeah, oh, what a wonderful idea. Yeah. You cannot have Wigfield. No. <laughs> that would be so funny. No, you can't have it. Yeah. And so you end up normally, yeah. every now and then, one just absolutely works and it lands and it's our first idea and it's clearable and it's brilliant. But normally you go, okay, what? we're down to number 17 on the list. Mm. Could that clear when you go, okay, yes. That everyone can... everyone apart from Kylie Minogue, who yeah, loves that the show, was... apparently, well, she loves and it, yeah. has cleared, well, cleared in the first uh, series, yeah. cleared yeah. all of her songs. Yeah, that, that was that was we always wanted. I should be so lucky and thank, and we were lucky enough. <laughs> yeah, very good. To, um, uh, I've just been a bit sick in my mouth. <laughs> Sorry about that. Hello. Yeah. Comedy reflux. So, are there deleted scenes of you guys singing songs that couldn't be cleared, or did you did you not even get to that point? We had a brilliant gag. Probably not even, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say the gag on this podcast. They're so worried about clearance. There was a wonderful gag that we wanted where Jim, when they're doing their radio show, oh, yeah. when he cuts, when the, the scene cuts out, he wanted to go and what was it? And now, um, oh, okay, we'll be back with Thomas in a moment. And for now, we've got this from Dexy's Midnight Runners. Pum, 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 pum. And we just loved it. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and that was where it was going to cut. That was as much as a tune as you were going to yeah. get. But it is it. absolutely unclearable. So, no um, way, really? Yeah. 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 The Midnight Runners said, no. Can't even oh do my a god! Impression of us. It's all right. I'll just I'll beep out the bits where Larry yeah, went. Boom, boom, boom. I'll beep this out as well. Oh, Jesus. And you doing it again? Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're in a vicious cycle now. Uh, and of course, Robin saves the day in this episode, Larry, which I, I wanted to ask you about as well, um, giving him the big hero moment. Yeah, um, I think it's. I always there's a bit 
in writing an episode and everyone else has sort of got their head around it, which is right. You read the script and you go, oh, this is a great script. Oh, and there's, you know, Ben's put a lovely moment in there for the captain. And obviously, you know, Matt and Jim, when they did their Thomas Thorne, um, you know, their Rushamon episode and, and, and I, I always forget to do that and always get to the yeah. end and go, I'm really pleased with that. And they go, what's Robin doing? They go, oh, Robin. Um, <laughs> so it was me for once remembering to go, well, you know, I don't think you can be in it a, lo a lot, but give him something to do. And the fact that he had that nice moment in, in episode one where he's talking, sort of talking, sort of having an argument with one of Barclay's dogs. Yeah. We sort of established that they can, the dogs can hear him. And so we go, well... <laughs> He should come up with a great idea, not tell anyone what it is, and you just think he's just ran away, and then mm. he sort of, you know, parachutes in and saves the day with the lovely Jeff McGiven. Amazing. Uh, I'm glad to see him back as well, I have to say. Yeah, but, he's uh, yeah, but guys, great. Uh, you've given me far too much of your time. Uh, it's been amazing. I will let you go and let Jim and Matt into the virtual room, but I have to say thank you so <laughs> thank much for this. It's been, it's been incredible. Martha, can I just say, don't let Ben or Larry hear this, but, but Fanny's my favourite one. <laughs> <laughs> Fanny's the best one, I have to is say. It, is it the faces, Chris? Is it the faces? It's the faces. It's yeah, the faces. Awesome. It's really We're, we're going to send you awesome. a framed photo montage of Fanny's faces. <laughs> so, Martha, thank you very thank much you, indeed. Chris, Larry, uh, don't let Martha or Ben hear this, but Robin's my favourite. <laughs> Uh, it's, no, you're all my favorite even uh, even the captain you. even the captain's my yeah. favorite no it's been it's been an absolute blast guys and and the actor writer ben will bond it's been a pleasure thanks guys <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much See you. cheers and that was that from larry and martha and ben will bond hope you guys enjoyed it part two with Matt Bainton and Jim Howick will be along in two shakes of a lamb's tail. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm off to run around my apartment building. That sound you might hear is my knees clicking. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time for King and Country!